Welcome to episode 319 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is March 13th, Sunday evening. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how are you doing tonight? Dude, I am in awe of your multimedia awesomeness lately. This week, let's see, you have launched the starting pitcher guide. You were on a South by Southwest forum. You did 69 podcasts. <laughs> nice. I'm missing anything. No, I think you, I think you covered. I mean, I I wrote a little bit too. Obviously, that that's almost behind uh, falling behind the curve this uh, this season so far because I, all my writing was the SP guide really, and I haven't been writing quite as much at the outlets yet, RotoWire and Fangraphs. But that's going to turn up as well. I, I appreciate the compliment. We will get into that South by panel that I was on with Jonah Carey, Justine Siegel, and Ed Fang. It was a lot of fun. Such a great time. Got uh, you know a free badge out of it too, so I'm going to be able to go back do some of the movie stuff. Really, really great weekend. I really cannot thank Jonah enough for inviting me to be on it, and and it was just a lot of fun. So we will get into that. We'll talk a little bit about the SP guide. We're also going to talk a little bit, kind of more auction general, but it, but the 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 thrust of it is that we're both going to be in Tout Wars this weekend, and particularly Yay. Tout Wars AL for you since we have had. An industry AL only league. Granted, there's a, a sharp difference, average to OBP. Even still, I, it gives the kind of a framework. Not that you can use it to like go into the draft, but it gives us some things to talk about. So we'll talk generally about that. We're not going to give up all your secrets. So any any of you listening, Glenn, Rick, I know you guys are out there. You're not going to get all Colette's secrets. I'm sure you've already got a few of them stored. We can't give them all away. Oh, I got a surprise for them, though. Oh, I got a, I'm looking at oh. it. I'm looking at it. It's coming with me. I have a surprise prop for the boys. I know you're listening. I have to get payback for last year. Now I'm really excited. It is going to be great. I'm so excited <laughs> to go to New York. We've been talking about it now for, for you know over a month uh, as, as the trips have been planned. It's next week. It's going to be awesome. Also got huge, huge news coming this week in terms of a guest episode which Ooh, I don't be, even know about this. Yeah, you'll hear about it after we, we hang up, which should be recorded in one of the next couple of days, Monday or Tuesday, for a, a midweek. It'll be released before I go to New York. Let's just say that. It's a huge guest. It's baseball-related. You'll never guess it. It's awesome. And he might be in some place called the Ball of Shame, If you if something that rhymes with, with that. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. That's it. Now let's move on. Follow us on uh, Twitter. At, Goose Gossage. That's awesome. Yes, yes. Okay, you, you, since you guessed it, that's it. Yes, we're going to talk about him. I couldn't agree with Goose Gossage more, so I wanted to just have a sit-down with No, I can't even Clown. keep a straight face with it. <laughs> can't even keep a straight face with it. Follow us on Twitter, at Spore, at Eno Saris, at Jason Collette. I give all three of them now, no matter who's on the show. Rate and review us on iTunes. Y'all are crushing that. Really appreciate it. I'm not going to beg every episode. I, 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 I saw y'all's feedback. Don't ask all the time. I got it. But I'm still going to ask every once in a while because I like doing well in iTunes, and that really helps us. So we definitely appreciate that. Got a couple bits of news before we get into those other topics. One is probably really going to hurt some feelings out there. I don't know exactly how you feel about this guy, so we'll learn now. But Corey Seager going to be down for a little bit, couple weeks with a bit of a knee. Nothing crazy. Everyone's saying, you know, still going to be ready for opening day probably. I don't think they're trying to put too much panic around it, but it's a little bit nerve-wracking if you if you're you know investing that fourth, fifth-round pick in Corey Seager, who has played you know uh, 150 plate appearances. Actually, I don't even maybe it was a little bit more than that. I can't remember the name, number off the top of my head. But what do you think about Corey Seager's knee injury, and how are you handling him in in drafts and auctions so far this year? 
Um, I haven't had a chance to do it. I mean, we were in the we were in labor together. And it's really the only time I've had the opportunity to to take him. And I've said that I, I'm not a fan of. He's going super high. He went twenty seven dollars a Dalton Del Don in, in the uh, labor NL auction Ooh. last weekend. I mean that that's the kind of price. So maybe this knocks him down to twenty five. Yeah. Uh, maybe even get maybe. him below there. Maybe. Yeah, what? that's true. Maybe. Honestly. Maybe. You know, it's 113 plate appearances. I, I oversold it at a buck fifty for Corey Seager. So at 113 plate appearances, if if that alone, and granted it was a great 113 plate appearances, but if that's going to push him up to 27, I don't know that a one to two week knee injury that everyone's being very optimistic about is even going to give him a, a buck or two discount. Maybe yeah, shortstop's we'll already shortstop's already crap. Let's look at the National League. I mean. Gung is not going to be ready for opening day now. I mean, they, they've pretty much made that clear. Yeah. He's going to David start disabled. Uh, science covers uh, that. Yes. Then you've got then you've got uh, Johnny Peralta out for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Now you have Seager who may not be ready to start the season. I mean, it's not like shortstop was any and NL shortstop was anything awesome to begin with, mm-hmm. and now this is where it's at. You know, I didn't like that price when you look across the what the rest of the league was paying in that particular auction. Uh, you know, Segura went for 16. That's what I'm keeping him at in my $280 um, NL home league. Uh, Brandon Crawford went for 19. Uh, you know, that's it. I mean, really, nobody was paying bucks. As Drupal Cabrera's dinged up, may not even make it to start the season. Yeah. It really, when I look across, when I look at the NL labor auction, you know, that Jonathan Villar buy at eight bucks, the Doug Dennis Prime. from Baseball Age, you love the buy. Prime. I really, I really liked it. I'm really getting. Sold on him, particularly in NL only, as you just outlined. That pool is is already shallow, and now some of the good pieces of it are, are getting dinged left and right. It's bad news out there. Even if VR's price goes up, and I think it will as it becomes clearer that he's going to have the job or at least a good shot at playing time, I, I'll, pay, I'll pay low double digits, though, because he has a power-speed combo at shortstop in NL only. It'll work out really well. Um I was gonna and I also like and I also like Wilmer Flores. I mean, the opportunity you got to worry about where the opportunity. But if if Cabrera is going to be slow out of the gates, uh, maybe that opens up an opportunity. The skills are there with Flores. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of playing time. But as the old adage goes, draft the skills, not the role. Skills rise to the top. And Flores, right now, he's a bargain. Uh, you know, he went for one dollar to Derek Cardi uh, in the uh, in the same NL labor auction. I think that'll work out good for him. I, I think you're right there. Uh, we started to see Wilmer Flores be able to hit a bit more last year. Granted, it was primarily against lefties, but um, this was a guy who had a lot of pedigree coming up. He, you know, I don't think you can sleep on Wilmer Flores. As Drupal Carrera was somebody I was looking at on the cheap. Like you said, now he's nicked. Also, Corey Seager's backup in this instance is Enrique Hernandez, somebody I do love. So I was bummed about the Howie Kendrick signing because uh, that you know he's obviously going to play full time second base there, right. and Enrique is going to be the the Swiss Army knife. But if there's playing time for him, I definitely like him as at least an, an MI in uh, in NL only leagues. Oh yeah, and he's not very expensive. Nope. So okay, uh, there's another piece of news. This one a little bit more positive out in Milwaukee. Keon Broxton is pushing toward the starting center field job, which is really interesting, especially because it was looking like uh, Domingo Santana was the guy that was getting the run out there. Does this mean that he's going to Santana to left field, Broxton to center, and then uh, Braun in right? Or am I missing somebody? I don't think you're missing anybody in that occasion. You know, with when you when you look at Broxton, this is the kind of guy that I'd like to see get the opportunity again. But we know Milwaukee's not going to be a good baseball team, which and they don't have a deep farm system, which should 
offer them the opportunity to allow someone like this to play. And when you look through his minor league track record, you know, he's shown some pop, but he's been more speed, you know, stolen bases. He was, uh, you know, 39 of 54 last year. So not the greatest ratio, but still, he stole 39 bases. He stole, he's, he's still in 25, uh, 20 to 30 stolen bases just about every year down in the minor leagues. Now he does have some contact issues. That's always been one of his issues. Mm-hmm. In fact, last year struck out 156 times and in, in just over 560 plate appearances, but he still managed to get on base almost 36% of the time. Uh, and even at AAA, I mean, he had both levels last year. In AAA, it was one of the weird things. He hit 256, but he also got on base 35% of the time, was 28 for 37 in stolen bases. That's the kind of ratio we'd like to see. And he played in Indianapolis and was still able to hit uh, he had 30 extra base hits down there. That's a big park. I've been to that park. It plays big. Okay. Uh, so you know, when you look at, okay, he can come to Milwaukee, we know what the, the how it enhances um, home runs and offense. So when you look at him, let's say he gets the playing time out of the gate. They get him 450 plate appearances. The batting average may hurt you. He may be, be a little better if we look at his minor league track record and OBP versus batting average leagues. But this is a outfielder, and let's let's not forget you can't be picky in NL outfield because there aren't a lot of dudes there. No. So this is the ideal guy to try to make try to find at the end of the draft to pick up as your your NL four your NL five outfielder. Um, you, I wouldn't pay NL three prices for him, even if they say, hey, he's the starter. If you're drafting this coming weekend, let's say that you and I were in NL tout wars, I'm not paying the NL three price for this guy, but he would definitely find his way on my roster because when you look at what's behind him, shouldn't be much in his way no there really shouldn't and yeah i did i did kind of have that uh i didn't miss anybody there santana and ryan braun are flipped in the uh, left right that i had uh, set up that i had said by roster resource but and they also had kirk Newenheisen center uh currently wow. penciled in obviously not really a roadblock and if keon broxton who we've been talking about continues to excel um i, I like that power speed combo and it looks like he's got a a, a Decent idea of what's going on up there uh, plate-wise, too. As you mentioned, being able to maintain those solid uh, on-base percentages, that's kind of a new thing to his game. But even in his short spring training sample so far, Broxton has been able to do that with four walks against five strikeouts. So he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. I know Santana's probably the flashy one getting the buzz well, right the now. the other name here, sure. Well, the other name is people, Reimer Liriano. He's that's there. Right. But, you know, Liriano has not been able to stay healthy. Ryan Braun has not been able to stay healthy. Now, Liriano looks like a baseball player, but, you know, the health-wise, is, the health has been a problem there. This is a good opportunity. I, I can't say this enough because he- healthy guys are not in his way. Healthy guys are not behind him. And this is a team that is, again, building for the future, seeing what they have. And this is a chance for a guy who will be turning 26 within the season to show them. In fact, he turns 26 early in the season, early uh, May 7th. So it gives them a chance, you know, do you stay or do you go with him Absolutely. to see where they go. But, you know, again, if I'm in a 12-team NL only, this guy's finding his way on my roster in the active part of the draft. Former third-rounder Keon Broxton, keep him on your list. Maybe put a little star, a little up arrow next to him. His stock is rising. All right, Jason, let's talk a little bit about the starting pitcher guide. We did an episode, I did an episode on Friday with Eno. I didn't even think I mentioned it. That's how fried Good and job. Good stupid effort. I am. Yeah, I, I did two podcasts on Friday. I did the Rotowire one with Todd Zola as well. Did not mention it on either. I'm a really good salesperson. Anyway, the spguide.com if you are interested. But let's talk a little bit about it. Obviously, um, you got a copy. Appreciate that. And you had some time to look through it. 
what did you what'd you see? What'd you like? What'd you hate? Let me know. So first of all, you really shouldn't have to be pitching it at this point. This is the third year that you're doing it. And if people don't know what the product is by now, I'm sorry you live under a gigantic rock. I appreciate that's just that. My first I appreciate opinion. that. Honestly, it's only like the I think it's actually the fourth year that it's been sold as a PDF. But remember, it goes all the way back to the top 100 lists on Roto Junkies. So yeah, technically, I've, I have a log of one going back to 2008. So, you know, we, we've been going for a while. But if you don't know about it now, you do the SP right. It's It's what I what I hope to be an invaluable tool for your fantasy drafts particularly. And this year I'm making it more of an all-year experience. So I used to do all the work up front in the winter, put together all these giant essays on on everybody really, and then things would change. you know. And your new pitcher tracker would come out and I'd see these guys adding pitches that I obviously had no idea about. And all of a sudden they're changing their game, they're rising their stock. Uh, maybe some guys coming in out of shape, they're lowering their stock, just things change so rapidly. So I said, you know what? This year, uh, I'm going to make it a little bit more of an all-year experience, but I can't do that same workload up front and then also make it an all-year experience. So it's just going to be a little bit more of an expanded process, including every single week, every every weekend, you're going to get an email update of my uh, the call-ups and the guys who you should look out for on your fab roster. Uh, obviously, I won't know everybody that's available in every league, but I'll generally look at the uh, the main outlets, kind of see who's right. buzzing on the on the waiver wires, and then write up the guys who I think are worthwhile pitchers that you should go for. Same with the prospects, guys who are called up. If it's not a spot start where they're definitely going back down, I'll give them a write-up and let you know what's changed since I wrote the SP guide. So a couple of notes there. Uh, working all going back to the beginning, and I I probably should mention this more than I do, but you mentioned Roto Junkie, and that's rotojunkie.net. Uh, if anybody is looking for a place to talk with other fantasy baseball players or want questions answered, please go there. It's free to sign up. If you sign up, it's going to ask for a referral. Just put podcast so I can see who's actually going there mm-hmm. uh, from here. And you know, it's a site. This essentially how Paul and I met. If you don't Absolutely. know the entire backstory, so. Um, Go there, please. The uh, So the other part of the piece, my real-world tie-in to, to the way you've done the starting pitcher guide this year. For those of you guys that don't know, I work in educational technology by day. Uh, baseball is how I is, is my hobby on the side, but I work in educational technology by the day, and one of the things we do is work on online textbooks. Now, back in the day when we were first doing online textbooks, the, the complaint from teachers were, were the one and done format. Great, you gave me this book. This is an online history book. And all of a sudden, we've had a new presidential election, but yet I'm reading about the 2004 presidential election. Mm-hmm. What the hell? So, you know, we've made ebooks that are more adaptive. You can add content, you can link in, you can bring things in. So when I saw the format for the starting picture guide this year, I was like, hell yeah, because in the past, it really has been that one and done. You always have to go back and refer. This is what I said. This is what I said. But now it's a living document. And like you're going to be doing things on Fridays, setting these things out. So it's a living document. And that's you know, that's taking advantage of the social media concept that, uh, you know, I like I always love what uh, Doug has up in the front with the mechanical breakdown killed it. and he killed it this PDF year. It's flat. But now now with the updates, you'll be able to have some lot, you know, put some uh, animated GIFs on there and, and show what's going on. The, the slow-mo and just, you know, Doug's always does such a good job with that piece. The funny thing is, as much as you and Eno have talked about Sam Dyson, I'm reading the Sean Tolleson piece going, wow, I, I already like Tolleson. And now I'm reading that going, OK, so 
that that's really good. So why are we pimping up Dyson when Tolleson actually looks good? You he know, does, maybe he doesn't. But I know Eno loves uh, Dyson. Eno loves Dyson. He's got me sold on him being. Well, I believe he calls him the right-handed Zach Britton. And the only thing that I've seen with Tolleson right now that's kind of opening the door is he nursing a little bit of an injury. But yeah, I I can't say I'm totally out on Dyson either. Or I mean on on Tolleson either. Just that Eno has definitely been pumping Dyson. And I know that Texas is not the most stable situation at the back end of the uh, the bullpen, so I right. get why he's throwing a buck on on his guy. But a lot of folks are also in on Kayla, so Keona Kayla. Yes. So that's a tough situation if you don't believe in Dyson to pick who you like uh, outside of that. Agreed, agreed. So that's those are really my thoughts on it. I got to read about half of it on the airplane uh, flying home from Grand Rapids on Friday. Uh, always makes flying more enjoyable when you've got that. something really good to read, and uh, so. That, those are my thoughts, and I'm really impressed with the, uh, really happy with the uh, the live format. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I was I was legitimately nervous about it. I kind of wrote it in the intro, maybe why it, it it was something that I didn't necessarily plan to do coming into the season, but uh, circumstances kind of made it uh, be that way. And I'm actually really really excited about doing it this way though, because all the time, like you said, you got to refer back to the to the old piece. People would ask me, oh, what do you think about this guy now that he's done this, that, and the other? And I try to give quick thoughts now. I can write a you know a proper essay on somebody on May fifteenth who you know added a pitch, got healthy and looks great. We can do a breakdown, and it's going to be a lot more useful than you referring back to what I said when when he was hurt and didn't have said pitch. So again, thespguide.com. If you're interested, it also comes with a spreadsheet for your drafts that I think will be very helpful. I tiered up all the pitchers, or excuse me, not all of them, 101 pitchers. Honestly, I was only going to do like. 60 because even after that it really gets so clustered but i went 101 deep but then i did 14 different specialty lists that cover a lot of the back end mm-hmm. uh, of the pitching tiers too you know some actual sleepers not not guys that you know listen i love rysel iglesias he's not a sleeper folks we can't we can't call him that and i understand the bastardization of that term uh, yeah, I don't even read. I don't even read sleeper list anymore. I really don't. A lot of them just end up making me angry because I'm like, you can't call you can't call that guy a sleeper, and then go to the next one. You can't call that guy a sleeper. Garrett Richards not asleep. Well, the thing you and I did for the 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 divisional preview pieces that you and I had to do for RotoWire and ESPN, right? So when they when they went sleeper, like I put Brian Johnson for the Red Sox. As Those my deep are sleepers. Yes. You know, I I put Joey uh, Joey Rickard for the Orioles. I mean, I put guys that I know were going to start the year in the minors down there. I think I, for the for the the sleeper level status. I put David Murphy on the Red Sox. You know, he's, he's playing for them. He could end up being a fourth outfielder. You know, if they lose faith in one of the kids, something happens out there. You know, David Murphy is produced. So when I think of sleep, my definition of sleeper, that's kind of what the issue is, is, you think of 10 team mixed league, 10, 12 team mixed league. There are no sleepers. Everybody's pick up. You can pick Everybody's up anyone known. in those. Formats. Yeah. The, the... I'm thinking only leagues, so 12 team AL NL only. Find me somebody who doesn't get drafted. Like, go on to go look at the NL and AL labor results and find me somebody who didn't get drafted in those bid or in the reserves. And that's who I want as a sleeper. Somebody Bingo. who didn't get taken on draft day because those guys are out there every year. Somebody sneaks up that wasn't taken. I'll give you the prime example. Last year, AL Tout Wars champion Chris Liz picked up Carlos Correa. What that, Not that what? that was a sleeper. Not that that was a sleeper, but nobody took him because nobody thought he was going to come up. Liz takes him three weeks before Carlos. Craig gets called up and it was the difference maker in the league whatever whatever became of that guy that that Correa guy did all right he did all right okay, I haven't heard he much right. from he about him lately Lindor on his heels but you know those kind of things 
but these guys, guys that don't get drafted in the reserves or bid up in the auction come up during the season and make a difference. Carlos Correa was nobody's sleeper, but what was the sleeper about him is nobody thought he was coming up that quickly, and he did, and he made a difference. Yeah, he was. But there are, there are like um, Preston Tucker. Preston Tucker was not on anybody's draft list mm-hmm. last year. Preston Tucker came up and made a difference for the Astros. Joey Butler, you know, for seven weeks, yeah. Joey Butler was believable. Nobody had him. And you're talking to the Rays guy. Nobody had Most him on the list. didn't know who the hell he was. So these are the types of guys that I'm like, if you give me a list of those guys, then now you're talking. Maybe it's just me being greedy, but that's the kind of sleep list. I'm so tired of seeing number three starters on sleeper list. Exactly. No, that's the thing, though. And I, I completely agree with you. They don't always have to be obviously sexy players with like amazing skills. That's not a sleeper. The, the, the whole point is if they have some 80 grade tool, they're, they're, they're known and they're, they're just not going to be asleep. So again, I know it's just kind of how, however you define it, but I'm with you. I prefer the guys who are legitimately asleep. Let's talk about guys who can really turn things around. If they're, you know, veterans, like you say, like a David Murphy or come out of nowhere, like a Preston Tucker, who was not a huge prospect. He was on like their deep lists, 20 or 30 Houston Astros. He'd, he'd be on the list, but he wasn't on top 100 lists. At least I don't believe he was. So I'm with you there as well. And you will find that uh, you will find those in the SP guide on that spreadsheet. Actual sleepers like Shane Green and AJ Griffin and Tim Cooney and uh, Jose Urena. You probably don't even know him. Half of you listen, and that's all right. Plays for Miami. He's got some really wicked stuff, and he could be decent. We'll see if he can actually miss a few bats. Anyway, that's for the SP guy, bspguide.com if you're interested. Um, let's move on and talk a little tout wars. Again, we're talking more general auction strategy here because we, we can't we can't give away everything. All right? I mean, you guys already know everybody that we like. If we also tell you how we're going to bid on them and our nomination strategies, then we're just going to lose, and that's stupid. I want to win and crush all of you. So can't get into you know all of our super favorites, but we're going to talk some general strategy, and I want to focus on the AL League that you're going to be in because I get to run the board. So we'll both be in the room. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a really tough room for you. I do not envy you, although you shouldn't envy me because that head-to-head room is not going to be easy either. But uh, <laughs> let's start here. Labor AL went off. Like I said, it's a different league because it's average, so the dollar values – they're not really going to translate, but in some instances they are. Obviously, there's no different pitching stats, so those could translate. But and wh- they do. What were some things that you noticed in there that you might be able to take into the room? Whether it's you know a, something about a position or something about the end game. Did you have any takeaways from a, a labor AL that you'll have in the room in New York in the back of your mind when you uh, sit down and try to try to smoke those fools? All right, so a couple of things. I'll start with the bullpen. So last year I spent $25 on three relievers. I bought Brett Cecil, uh, Luke Gregerson, and Andrew Miller. Spent $25 uh, on that on that trio, and it happened to pay off extremely well for me because Andrew Miller ended up getting the job, so that $5 play looked good. Ooh. Gregerson I had faith on, and I spent 10 bucks on him, and I spent 10 bucks on Cecil, and while he was terrible out the gate let's not forget how awesome he was down the stretch Go look at his bottom line folks because we you know we took cecil obviously in labor mixed as well and it didn't pan out the way we wanted it to particularly with saves but uh it's hard to it's hard to say that we we drafted a poorly skilled guy we we, we saw the skills we knew they were there and by the time the season ended brett cecil's numbers were were dope yeah i mean the thing is he stunk until about father's day and then the rest of the season didn't allow a run 
Uh, it just everything he was right where we thought he was going to be. He just got bombed at a couple of starts and it worked out. So when I look at saves, it's going to it would be really tough to do that. You know, even with the the depth of talent in the AL uh, saves pool, we saw Wade Davis go 21. We saw uh, Craig Kimbrell go 21. We just talked about Tollison. That entire bullpen went $14. Tollison 11, uh, Dyson 2, and Kayla 1. Uh, we saw a different, like Cody Allen went $17. So, the, the, I mean, the prices really, I was just surprised that um, that Kimbrell went the same price as Davis because I think Davis is, is the best of the bunch. I think he should have gone, you know, I think he should, for me, he's the only $20 closer out there. Okay. I'm not, I'm not paying that for Kimbrell. So I see that in saves. I liked the way some of the starting pitching played out. I mean, it's, it's no secret that I like Nate Carnes, but when you look at how well James Paxton's been pitching as he and Carnes fight for that fifth spot and Carnes is the one that has options. I, you know, with Paxton, I believe he's out of them. So, so it's too. either rotation or bullpen. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I almost certain he's out of them. I may be wrong there, but uh, so we got to watch that the other day, yesterday, Paxton goes out and throws four scoreless. Um, and so it may not, Carnes may pitch. He may be guilty of having options. And then he's got to go down to the minor <laughs> leagues. But somebody like him goes for five bucks. Um, then one of the other things that come out, I know that Erasmo Ramirez has been on people's list, but let's not forget the Rays have a ton of off days early in the season. I think six or eight of their 47. There's a good chance that he starts the season in the bullpen because they don't need a fifth starter for a while. And when you look at the the lack of depth in in that Rays bullpen, it's a league average bullpen. But in the American League East, it's the worst. Uh, hands really down, is, yeah. and, and even the fans would say that, but that's because the other four are so damn good. Exactly. So Ramirez could open the season the way I, when I was looking at the schedule. There's a good chance they just skip him a couple of times and put him in the bullpen because he's not a 180 inning pitcher. No, he's too, uh, too small. And, Right, and you've got you've got Cobb going to come back in, in August, and they're going to have a few options. You've obviously got Blake Snell at some point, so it wouldn't surprise me if if Ramirez opens up the season uh, in the bullpen. And I also when, when talking with one of the one of the people that I know working with the club, we were just pining about the bullpen, and that was really where it came from. He's like, hey, don't be surprised if he opens up the season in the bullpen because the schedule's lining up nicely. I was like, yeah, you know what? I looked at all the off days and thought something the same. So, you know, that could be happening there as well. And then, you know, some of the positional stuff that we look at, first base got, uh, you know, people are paying for their first baseman. You know, it's not, there's not a whole positional the scarcity is not there. And by the way, Paxton does have an option. So either one of them. Okay. So, but okay. Yeah. So he does have an option uh, there, but that still, he may be, they may look at and say, need the lefty, you know, first base was playing outfield. None of it really surprised me there. I mean, Bautista going 30, JD Martinez going 28 Springer going 30, um, Mike Trout going 42. That's almost standard. It's like every year, Mike Trout seems to go up a dollar. I mean, they right? get, Two years ago, it was like, oh, forty dollars. I, I think that I think um, Larry threw him out. Yeah, Larry was the defending Wasn't champ. Threw the out freeze? Mike Trout at forty dollars, and nobody said yeah. anything. So got him for forty. And the following year, I think he went forty-one to Chris List. Now he goes forty-two, um, forty-two in uh, to Brandon Funston of Yahoo Sports in AL Labor. So it seems like he keeps going, even though the stolen bases are going down. You know, his numbers are going up. And then some of the folks, you know, we've heard Leonis Martin being labeled a sleeper. He went for $9. Now, we don't know what part of the auction he went $9 for, but he still went $9. $9 is not a sleeper rate. So somebody else obviously believes um, in Leonis Martin possibly rebounding, and that's Ray Flowers uh, from 
Fantasy Alarm and Sirius XM. So he went out there and paid $9. Even a guy like Drew Smiley, a guy that I've given a lot of hesitation. And to your point earlier, pitching prices, that is an admitted benefit of, of doing tout after labor because the pitching categories are the same and it's the same league size. It, in my in my uh, experience of tracking the prices and what guys went for in labor versus what they go for in tout within a dollar or two, it's the same. So I can look at this and say, Drew Smiley went $15. I wouldn't pay 15 bucks for him uh, this week, this coming weekend. Not a guy, uh, you know, not a guy that I want to pay that price for. I don't believe the shoulder can hold up. Those things don't go away. But if I want to, if I want to roster my AL Cy Young pick, Carlos Carrasco, you went for $24. So I know I better budget something along those lines to end up paying for him. Uh, meanwhile, you know, you look at the bullpen situation. Drew Storen goes for eight bucks. Osuna. I didn't see what Asuna went. Osuna went for $5. So that Toronto situation, which I project could be 90 wins, that saves job went $13. Wow. And, you know, and it, somebody, somebody's going to win that. And that's one of the benefits of drafting early is somebody's going to pick the wrong guy. Yeah, honestly, yeah. yeah. The, they're so, both so skilled, Storn and Osuna. That's almost a situation where you do want to take both at 13 bucks. Because, you know, and again, we don't know how it broke down. So I'm certainly not throwing stones at Steve Gardner, who got... Uh, Storn, at least it looks by the inputs of the uh, uh, of the rosters that Storn went first, and then he got Osu- uh, Osuna went for five to somebody else. Looks like he probably could have gotten him. Maybe the, the obvious thing is to say, well, he paid four for Madsen. I guess he would have had to pay six for uh, Osuna at that point, and then lose two dollars somewhere there. But maybe he's just saying, you know what, I'll I'll t- make my bet on Storn here, but also maybe bet against uh, Sean Doolittle. So. There's the option of either locking up a bullpen for sure and making sure you get the guy or dipping into a couple of sketchy bullpens because as much as I love Doolittle, I can't ignore the fact that he does have major health concerns all the time. Yeah, so I mean, that's a couple things, a couple points there. I, I'd like whoever the first team was. I didn't see the first day. That was, yeah, Gardner uh, bubbling up Doolittle and Madsen. Um, I like what oh, Ray I didn't did. even see. Okay, yeah. So he did yeah, do he it bubbled, in that. He bubbled open. those guys up. Couldn't yeah, do he it bubbled those both. guys up. Um, I, I liked what Ray Flowers did, taking both Dellen Batanzas and Andrew Miller. He didn't get Chapman, but he he has he has David Robertson. He's got uh, Soria, but he ended up taking, you know what? I'm going to take both the high-end reliever strikeout guys. If something happens to Chapman, one of those guys is going to get the saves out of the gate anyhow. So he's buying a few saves there. And even after that, he's going to get the great ratios and strikeouts out of those guys. Yeah, I, I, so I like I like doubling up on those rather than taking a flyer on an end game. Like somebody, eh, you know, guys like Gallardo, Sabathia, they both were dollar picks anyhow. But you know, still, I'd rather take, I'd rather spend the money there than go get a, a, a meddling guy. Like, honestly, Iwakuma, a guy that we, you and I have both liked a lot in the past. I'm not willing to pay twelve dollars for him. Somebody did. Uh, one of the other ones that really stood out weird for me, uh, Glenn Perkins goes ten dollars. Kevin Jepson goes eight bucks. Trevor May goes one dollar. I know it's an experience thing, and yeah. Jepson's done the job a little bit, but and May is really fighting. They they aren't sure if he's going to be a rotation and bullpen guy. I read a story they today. Decide with him. They need to. I, really I, they, like I read a story today from Mike Bernardino said that May was working in a start uh, yesterday, day before, ninety ninety three in the rotation. Last year he was ninety eight in the bullpen. I'm sorry, that's what made him good last year was velocity. It wasn't yeah. uh, that velocity is not if it's not carrying over the rotation. For you know, bleep's sake, leave him in the bullpen and let him go. So I, I, 
well, because I wrote a bullpen speculation piece up a while ago, and Trevor May was one of the guys. I'm like, you know, you pay, you throw a couple of bucks on Trevor May, it could end up working out for you. And then, you know, Liam Hendricks with Oakland before Ryan Manson went there. I still like I Liam. I still Hendricks. like him. Yeah, Eno does too. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a couple of pieces that are there in play uh, along those lines. But that was one of the, the other ones that stood out to me. I was like, eight bucks is a pretty hefty price to pay for Jepson when there is another option in that pen that's that's arguably better. Um, as far as talent, he doesn't maybe not have he may lack the opportunity, but talent wise, May's the best arm in that bullpen. But yeah, and I I feel like if they don't start Trevor May, if if he doesn't you know either go down so he can get every fifth day starts or something like that, and he's in the bullpen right away, that becomes a really tense situation for Glenn Perkins, and I could easily see May leapfrogging Jepson. I just want them to commit one way or the other. I've you know I've given up on the fact that. He's a, he's for sure a starter because I just don't think that the team is committed to that, and I'm I'm certain that they know more than me, so I'm not even gonna pretend like no no they should do they should do what I say. But um, I, I feel like he probably could start, but if he's only gonna be like a fourth fifth starter type and he can be a stud reliever, well then put Trevor May in the bullpen, let him be a stud reliever, and if Perkins breaks down, he gets right in there. Perkins is 33 too, by the way. Jepson 32, neither particularly old. But right. you're talking about Trevor May, 26, 27, uh, coming into this year. So, and there's, and the thing is, there's not that many. Uh, the good thing, if you're on the AL side, there's not that many unsettled situations. Exactly. We, we know the twin situation is, is pretty much settled. It's not good, but it's settled. The the, the Seattle situation, not good, but, settled. but it's settled. The, uh, the that's the o- in both Oakland. The, uh, you know, it is good, but it, and it's settled-ish, but it's not perfectly settled because Doolittle's health is always a question. Right, right. So you know, a couple of things there are holding some things down. But other than that, nothing really – although the $21 Mark Trumbo really surprised me too. Uh, you know, that was – That could be a dynamic surprising. thing where somebody needed the last power as well. So. Possibly. Possibly. Because you look at the – if you're buying power, so again, dynamics like Colby Rasp was going for $9 earlier in the draft to Larry Schechter. I mean, if you're looking at – if you want 230 and 20-plus bombs, that's a- as much as I – as much as I've – I, I like Trumbo going to going to that ballpark again. Yeah. Uh, you look at the price and the risk associated. You're you're putting a lot of dollars into that situation, and uh, so I'm I'm curious to see how things are going to go. I mean, I didn't I get to listen to a little bit of it, but you know, I, we didn't talk about it, but the NL auction. The, Clayton Kershaw is one of the first guys that goes out. He goes thirty eight dollars to Derek Cardi, and I'm like screaming at my Such radio going thirty nine, forty. I'm like mm-hmm. trying to bid because I mean, here's the thing. Cardi even went on the pregame show and called his shot. It's no secret I like Clayton yeah. Kershaw. I want to get Clayton Kershaw. He's out there like daring dudes to bid him up. Yep. Then somebody says 37, he goes 38, and the room goes quiet. 38. Like, wow. You know, Kennedy goes, hey, I had him valued as a $47 player. List was freaking out. If he, oh, yeah, he'd I, been I, I in the doubt. NL, he'd have, been, he'd have been all over. Not not just because List also loves Kershaw, but he knows about Cardi's love for him and he knows that you can push him up and and Liss is very serious about that you know if, you, if you've got that information leverage it to your advantage get those extra bucks spent by the way I want to go back to this really quickly because you did mention it on Brett Cecil and sorry I'm looping back way far here big time callback <laughs> um, you said from about Father's Day he didn't give up a run and I thought you were kind of like exaggerating it a little bit like yeah he was just really good April 8th to June 21st, 596 ERA, 15 earned runs. 1.57 whip, right? June 24th to October 3rd, zero runs. 
two runs, actually. Zero earned, though. You were right. Correct. You didn't give up a freaking run. 44 strikeouts, four walks, zero ERA, just 17 hits. Holy cow, why, is it, why, are not, why are more people not talking about how amazing Brett Cecil was for three-plus months last year? Wow, that's amazing. And that was on the heels of a two, two, and four, three outings in a row where he gave up those eight runs. And obviously, um, and he actually two runs before that, as well. So he'd given up 10 runs in six appearances Cecil had, bumping his ERA from 265 to 596, and then went on that run. So relievers, yeah, he, they're so volatile. Look over, to, over a three year stretch, he's basically had three bad weeks. It, it really has. Because look at 2013, look at 2014, look what, it, you know, the three bad weeks that screwed him up last year. And really, you could explain that because remember, he got off to a slow start in spring training. He had some arm woes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were freaking out that he wasn't going to be ready. And then he said, oh, I'm good. I think he got like a three-week late start to spring training. Um, and we're like, you know what, still, the skills the last two years will play up. And we took the risk. And, you know, it didn't look good early, but it ended up working out well in the end. And I think I had four different shares of Cecil last year uh, to that. So, you know, these things happen. But you know, one of the things – Getting back to the Kershaw point, you know, no, I, I'm I'm honestly surprised nobody else in the room had him valued at at least thirty eight dollars. Kershaw is the kind of guy you go the extra buck for, 100%. and even if you say thirty nine and Cardi says forty, again, you know he likes him. I think he's drafted him two straight seasons. If he says forty, then you've taken two dollars out of the player pool that, for him to use. It's just you, and that's. You know, some of the things that I, I hear that have kind of driven me nuts. I think somebody threw – I think Kershaw was thrown out at $30. I'm a huge fan of that. Oh, same. Throw guys out at 80 90% of their value. Uh, even if it's somebody – you should be – honestly, especially early in the draft, it drives me crazy when people say, this guy, one buck. The studs. AJ all Pollock, of these one guys, all the, Yeah, I mean, all of these guys that are coming out that part of the draft – Honestly, you should be you should be willing to take them at a 25% discount. So instead of throwing them out for a dollar, if it's a 20 if you have them down as a $20 player, throw them out at 15. Absolutely. It gives the rest of the room now it doesn't really matter in tout wars because everybody knows their stuff and it's sure, either, but you know, sometimes but I'm you, it freezes your things. It freezes people. It gives them less time. So if you say one, two because as soon as you start one, everybody else starts bidding at that same rate. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm out of 15. It gives people less time to think, less time to react. I cannot, I cannot emphasize enough how good this is for keeper leagues uh, early on. It's inexperienced keeper leagues. I think somebody emailed us a few weeks ago and said, "Hey, I'm in a first year keeper league," or, and, they're, and they're tr- they were changing from draft picks to to dollar right. value. Yeah. It was, Remember that guy? A couple of we said just do the inverse order for that, but nobody calculates proper. Not 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 everyone will. Um, calculate properly for inflation. I remember doing this in, uh, with some of the old Roto Junkie guys in the Texas League one year. Well, I walked in and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm, I, this is when A Rod was in his prime and I'm paying 45 bucks. And Rim's like, well, I'm like, I've got him down at $56. I was willing to go more. But if you could get, steal a guy out of the gate, steal a couple of dudes, but throw these guys out at 70, 75%, unless they're completely dinged up. And, and everybody's like, well, what do you want to pay 15 bucks for that guy? Fine, sold. Uh, or just to, just to cut down the time that everybody else has to think and react. It just advantages. No. Try to get it. I, I do that. And I actively, that's why I participate. You'll see when you're in the room Saturday, I participate in a lot of bids. I may not want the guy, but if something happens and somebody's changing their mind, I'm really curious to see how the hell utility player is going to fall out because there's so many guys that qualify utility only this year. It, uh, you know, in the past, you're like, I don't want it. 
Yeah, like when if Billy Butler comes up, I don't want him at a discount. I'm gonna stay quiet if somebody wants to. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I I feel the same. By the way, it looked like the AL labor room uh, wanted to to see how that played out as well. I feel like a lot of the the DH only guys did come out pretty early just to see how people will fill them. I've been saying all all winter now. You don't have to be as afraid of those guys this year because everyone, not everyone, most teams are going to fill up that utility in relatively short order, meaning like the the top half of the draft. And I know it hamstrings you a little bit. So if some, I remember one year I had, there was a year somebody ended up getting David Ortiz cheaper. Maybe it was my home league. There was something to happen. Yeah, it was one of my home leagues, something where we all had filled up utility and we're all looking at it. We're like. Something something else came up, and it was too good of a value to pass up, but it was like I'm not going to pass up that type of value in hopes because I didn't have the most money on the table mm-hmm. at the time. And then when it worked out, somebody uh, Ortiz fell into somebody's lap for five bucks <sighs> coming off one of the bad seasons because he was the only guy left. It was killing – I remember Matt. I don't know if Matt listens to us. I knew he used to, but it's just like – I remember it was killing him because he couldn't move a guy, and it's exactly what he needed to acquire, and he couldn't because he had no roster spot. That's the worst. But, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not turning up my nose at Victor Martinez if he comes through early. I'm not turning up my nose at any of these other guys. Kendris Morales, if somebody throws him early and I like the price, I'll buy and I'll fill my utility spot. I don't care. Victor looking good, folks. That's all I'm gonna say. Not just not just Tiger's homerism. He's got his base. I'm just saying. Not necessarily. Does he have the treble? Pardon me. Does he have the treble? Oh, he always had the treble, but the base is there now, and it's all about that base. Anyway, we got to wrap up here quickly. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the South by panel. Uh, it was with Jonah Carey, Justine Siegel, Ed Fang. The title was Randomness in Baseball, Cluster Luck or Cluster Bleep, Bleep. which is a great title, by the way. Uh, yes. I don't know if Jonah came up with that on his own or if it was the South by folks. Fantastic work there for sure. Um, it was a lot of fun though. We basically just talked a lot about luck in baseball. Uh, the the Royals were a main thrust of it because they do three things that really try to mitigate luck with the bullpen defense and the contact hitting. I think all three of those things really add up in concert to help them beat some variants or at least push things in their favor on the luckometer, if you want to look at it like that. Um Obviously, you didn't get to see it, but what did you think about the topic? Oh, I love the topic. I I want to say, did, wasn't that Ed Fang's? Didn't he write a book or Because so, I, I, Jonah's used the term for a long yes, time. Joe Joe Pita uh, wrote a book called Trading Bases, and I believe he coined yes. the phrase. And then Ed saw it, loved it, you know, wanted to do some study on it as well. So I I think that they're both on the same page. Ed and and Joe don't one hundred percent quote me on that, but I believe Joe came up with the actual phrase of cluster luck. Obviously, we, we've been studying sequencing and randomness of events as a baseball community now for quite a while, but he put a name to it. It's a fantastic name. I think they have slightly different formulas, but that's that's what it is. They're trying to figure out the sequencing and what, what's going to regress back to the mean, what's luck, what's not, and uh, that's kind of how it's jumped off. And then, like you said, Jonah found Ed's work and really promoted it and would talk about yes. it on, on uh, Grantland when he would write his pieces. Yeah, I mean, the, the, what, every time I think of cluster luck, I can't help but go back to the wrench. Alan Craig, you know, the, when he would just be this monster, monster with runners in scoring position, and now he can't hit with a big red jumbo bat. I feel bad because uh, you know I love the wrench. We were yeah, huge we loved them, but he just kaputs. And then the whole the, the way the Cardinals Devil Magic works and how they were just driving crazy. He wasn't the only guy. It's like the entire team. It, they said a the they, cluster of it. They said an MLB high. I want to say it was around four fifteen. Was their was their running runners in scoring position batting average for a season? 
and this is off the top of my head because we didn't cite the specific numbers. I think right. it was like 20, 25 points ahead of the second highest ever. They, it was the devil magic running for a full year. You're right that uh, uh, Craig was like the poster boy of it, but everybody was getting in on it. It was that 2013 season. Craig yeah. hit 454 with runners in scoring position. He got on half the time with a 638 slug, giving him an 1138 OPS, which was up a little bit from his 1130 the year before. And then to your point about the last couple of years, he's been at 216. And I tell you, that's one of the things, that's one of my concerns with Kendrick Morales this year. I mean, you look at his numbers in, you look at his numbers between guys on and guys off last year, you guys in runners in scoring position, that's when he was raking last year. And then without it, it was like, okay, what happened here? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pull this up real quick. Cause I remember looking at it saying, how did this guy drive in so many guys last year? I know that he had a lot of guys on base in front of him, but it was just a matter of, you know, how running runners in scoring position last year, he had 291 slug five. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That is, um, let me just, that was a whole career last year. He hit 335 with a 10, 12 OPS with runners in scoring Second position. Highest, right. He did that. He did that back in 2009 as well. Um, hit, 315 with a 1013 OPS. So essentially the same season. Wow. Now in between league average in 2014, yes, he had missed half the year because of the stupid uh qualifying offer mm-hmm. penalty, but he hit 550 OPS with runners in scoring position. And he doubled that the following year. But the year before that he was 850, 800, 950. Yeah, so it, it's it's kind of been all over the place. But all of a sudden it's like wham, let's put all this together. Yeah, absolutely. And Honestly, with Kendris Morales, you know, he's had he's done that twice. But to your point, 867 for his career. But the team's still going to be good. So how much do you think you regress him? Do you just move him back to his average and, and kind of start from there with an RBI? About, I think back 10 to 15 percent on his runs driven in because too many things worked out well for him. You can't expect a guy because he's never done it to hit back to back that well with runners in scoring position. I think that's fair. So you got to be careful with Kendris Morales. I do still think he's a, a good player. Just don't put him down for 106 ribbies again. If you even if you like the 22 homers and the 290 average, I'd shave 20 off the RBIs just as a safe point. Maybe he does 100 again, and we're wrong, or maybe not. We're not even wrong. He doesn't necessarily do the runners in scoring position thing again. He gets his RBIs, you know, when they're not in scoring position, or some solo bombs, or something like that. But the safe money says bump Morales down to about 2080 with a 285 average and go from there. I still do like him, but I'm with you that those those ribbies probably can't hold. All right, Jason, we got to get out of here. We'll be back uh, maybe in a week. Maybe we can get something live going. You know, some, Maybe I'll do something live. Say, I think we can get something really going. I don't know if it'll post Sunday because that's when I'm flying home. But we'll get something going around that time. Eno and I will be back Tomorrow, I think, I think with the uh, with the guest that I alluded to earlier in the show, but if not, definitely Tuesday and then we'll have another one probably Thursday. So I, like I've mentioned a few times, the schedule is going to be sporadic in March that it just has to be right now because we got these travel schedules, all the things going crazy. Once the season starts, I can promise you all that it will get back on track and and we'll do the Sunday, Monday, Wednesday and, and an occasional Friday if the Wednesday's booked up. Anyway, Jason, I'll, I'll see you in less than a week. Looking forward to Take it. Take care.